ECA Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. Eco Report is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello, and welcome to Eco Report for WFHB. I'm Anna Daly. And I'm Frank Marshallek. As the vernal equinox approaches and folks begin to clear clutter and refresh their homes, Eco Report correspondent Zero Rose asked Kelly Conaway, proprietor of Drift Botanicals, about her reasons for starting a green cleaning company and what tips she might give for non toxic, environmentally responsible options for green spring cleaning. That's coming up later in the program. And now for your environmental reports. A new invasion is beginning to happen in Indiana. Purdue University is warning Indiana residents to be on the lookout for invasive species of a worm in their yards this spring. We all think of worms as being friendly to have in our yards and gardens, but not the invasive species of jumping worms recently discovered in southern Indiana. The average worms are really good for our ecosystem. One way to tell is how many robins you have running in your yard pulling up worms. Worms add vitamins and nutrients to the soil and worms improve the soil by giving it stability, turn the soil over reducing diseases, improve water infiltration, and improve root growth. The invasive jumping worm is just the opposite. They eat up all of the organic matter at the surface of the soil. The waste left behind looks like coffee grounds and offers no nutritional value to plants. They also do not aid in air and water flow for the soil. The jumping worm is much bigger than average worms. If you notice bald spots in your yard, you should check for these worms. Also, the DNA wants you to let them know if you spot them. The power of the fossil fuel industry is confirmed by the plans in the infrastructure funding. There are billions available for carbon sequestration. The Indiana legislature has dealt with aspects of this concept during the first half of this year's program. A Senate committee voted down a bill that would have required local government approval of carbon capture and sequestration projects, calling it an extra level of bureaucracy. Members of the Senate committee on Environmental Affairs voted down the passage of Senate Bill 247, which would have required the approval of counties, cities, or towns in order to move forward on carbon capture and sequestration projects in four to seven vote. The bill was supported in committee by the Association of Indiana Counties, which said local input was needed to gauge support for a potential project carbon dioxide storage project in Benton County. About a dozen commercial carbon capture facilities currently exist in the U.S., but only two sequester carbon deep underground, the Archer Daniels Midland Company and the Red Tail Energy. 
The Energy Department will award $3.5 billion to fund carbon capture and sequestration pilot projects and demonstration projects. Several companies are trying to establish carbon capture projects in Indiana. Wabash Valley Resources is attempting to set up a pilot project in Vigo County. Indiana-based ethanol producer Cardinal Ethanol is trying to launch a project in Randolph County. Are you thinking about purchasing an electric vehicle but not sure which gives you enough battery to meet your needs? While the EV charging network in the U.S. is quickly expanding, many drivers have been hesitant to make the switch to fully electric vehicles for fear of becoming stranded with a car that has run out of juice. But a new study hopes to ease these concerns by showing consumers which EVs could work best for their needs. The study, led by researchers from the University of Delaware and two other universities, analyzed the driving data of 333 gasoline cars over one to three years. From there, the team compared the data to EV capabilities based on differing vehicle characteristics like battery size and recharging power, as well as EV charging stations. Quote, what we did was figure out how much people drive over a year, distinguishing every single trip and stop, and then overlaid that with all the possible EVs you could buy. End quote. Willett Kempton, lead author and professor at the University of Delaware, said in a statement. Quote, if you know how far you need to drive, our data on range and charging speed will tell you what EVs will work for you." End quote. The research, published in the Journal of Ener Journal Energies, noted that about 25 to 37 percent of drivers could meet all their driving needs in EVs with smaller batteries in a range of about 143 miles and by recharging at local charging stations like home and work. According to Kempton, this point debunks the idea that we can't transition away from fossil fuel-powered vehicles until we have EVs with large batteries and faster charging. The findings also mean that many drivers could transition to less expensive EVs, about $10,000 cheaper than EVs with big batteries. Smaller batteries are also more sustainable. For those who do drive longer distances or travel frequently, making slight some slight adaptations can give their EVs go the distance, can help their EVs go the distance. Namely, they may need to make an extra stop to charge the car. And for EVs with big batteries, most drivers still do not reach the upper limits of the longer range, easing further EV range anxiety. ECO reports the EPA proposes the strongest ever standards for keeping coal plant pollution out of U.S. waterways. When wastewater from coal-fired plants is released into wider waterways, it can have serious consequences. Environmental toxins including mercury, arsenic, bromide, and chloride can pollute drinking water and aquatic habitats, causing cancer and other ailments in humans and making it harder for wildlife to reproduce. That's why the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency moved to propose the country's toughest standards yet for controlling this type of pollution. Quote, ensuring the health and safety of all people is EPA's top priority, and these proposed rule represents an ambitious step toward protecting communities from harmful pollution while providing greater certainty for industry, end quote. EPA Administrator Michael S. Regan said in a press release. 
EPA's proposed science-based limits will reduce water contamination from coal-fired power plants and help deliver clean air, clean water, and healthy land for all. The proposed rule targets three types of water discharges from coal plants, according to the EPA website. Number one, flue gas desulfurization wastewater, which is wastewater generated from the scrubbers used to reduce plant air pollution. Number two, bottom ash transport water, which comes from plant waste ash. Number three, combustion residual leachate, which is the water that seeps out from coal ash landfills. These wastewaters can also include the pollutant selenium, nickel, iodide, excess nutrients, and total dissolved solids. As a class, pollutants from coal plants can also cause cognitive impairment in young children and deformities in animals. They can persist in the environment for several years. An area the size of Indiana on the north shore of Alaska is possibly the next big petroleum drilling boom. Environmentalists are against the project. As reported in a Guardian piece, Al Gore has warned it would be recklessly irresponsible to allow an, an enormous controversial oil drilling project to proceed in Alaska. Gore spoke amid growing alarm among Democrats and campaigners that the Willow development will drastically undermine the U.S.'s effort to confront the climate crisis. The vast multi-billion dollar ConocoPhillips oil project to be situated on the tundra of Alaska's northern Arctic coast is awaiting approval from the federal government. Quote, the proposed expansion of oil and gas drilling in Alaska is recklessly irresponsible, end quote, Gore said. Quote, the pollution it would generate would put Alaska native and other local communities at risk. Furthermore, it is incompatible with the ambition that we need, we need to achieve a net zero carbon future. The Willow Project has become a leading target for climate campaigners due to the huge volume of planet heating emissions it could unleash. The drilling operation would extract up to 180,000 barrels of oil a day, about 1.6 of total U.S. production from one site alone. In a grim irony, ConocoPhillips has said that it may have to refreeze ground that is rapidly thawing as the Arctic heats up in order to stabilize the drilling equipment. The drilling would result in 278 million tons of greenhouse gases over a 30-year lifespan of the development, according to the administration's own estimates. That's the equivalent of adding 2 million gasoline-consuming cars onto the road or running more than 70 coal-fired power plants for a year. The pollution produced would comfortably wipe out the emissions saved from all renewable energy products projects on U.S. public lands by the year 2030. The International Energy Agency has said no new fossil fuels fuel infrastructure can be built if the world is to avoid disastrous climate change. The lawmakers called upon the president to stop this ill-conceived and misguided project. For several years, the goal was to stop warming at 1.5 degrees Celsius. The fallback position was 2 degrees Celsius. The international conferences are still promoting 1.5 degrees Celsius, but it's important to note that most people attending these conferences are from the fossil fuel industry. 
Their objective is to play down the threat by saying that 1.5 degrees Celsius is still achievable. That way they can still sell more gasoline. The reality is that the vast majority of climate scientists predict a 3 to 5 degrees Celsius temperature rise by the year 2100. What most would also agree upon is that the 2 degree objective is now impossible. One can also reach the conclusion that huge warming is inevitable because Indiana and other like-minded states refuse to address climate change. Yet voters re-elect these same deniers every year. Will Indiana make an effort to address fossil fuels only after our coal runs out? And now we join Zero Rose discussing green cleaning methods, how to avoid toxic products, and plastic packaging with Kelly Conaway, owner of Drift Botanicals. We had a 75-degree day the other day, and to me, that's kind of instant summer, but uh, that, I think, got a lot of people already uh, starting to rattle around the house and the yard and start getting things renewed. Do you have any uh, basic suggestions for uh, ways to avoid? I know one of the goals your product is to eliminate use of plastics and that you've uh, you used glass. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things when you're really thinking about choosing a healthy product. First of all, I would recommend um, checking out the website ewg.org. They rate thousands of products, cleaning products, personal care products also. And they, it's shocking when you get on that website, they letter grade all the products and they look at um, your health as a human. And then they also look at, they look at environmental impacts of these cleaners. Um, So they letter grade it and you would be shocked at the products that are, you know, labeled and branded as natural and what's in them. So they'll look at the ingredient on every single product, you know, and then they rate the ingredient depending on human health, environmental health, you know, sustainably mined, you know, they look at a lot of different stuff. So I would look at the products that you're using in your home. I would go to ewg.org. You're just going to enter it in a search bar and they will letter grade it A, B, C, D, F. So that's how you can find really clean, good products that work well. But I also wanted to take mine a step further and put it in glass reusable bottles because most of us are pretty aware of the plastic problem. I I think it's what, I think it's like 5% of plastics are actually recycled. Not counting what is being recycled into our bloodstreams. Another thing is that it's in the soils and it's in the air. We're breathing in the microparticles. Everybody thinks it's about the ocean going Mm -hmm. down the river and getting in the ocean, but it's actually Mm -hmm. soils and I guess it goes into plants, into plants grown in those soils. Yes, absolutely. They're horrible. So, I mean, when we're really thinking about spring cleaning, I would say, first of all, decluttering, right? Which that's a whole nother topic, but really getting rid of stuff that you're no longer using. And there's a lot of great organizations to donate them to in this town. Try everything you can before it ends up in the landfill. 
Um, but then, yeah, on microplastics, a lot of people think of cleaning, you know, just as hygiene. But really, when it comes to dusting and mopping, that's like a number one way that you're going to remove the microplastics, the forever PFAS. You're going to remove those from your house through dusting and mopping. And, you know, they have those Swiffer, Swiffer dusters. Those are great for like the tops of fans and stuff. But really, I don't, I kind of just view those as like moving it around, you know, cycling it through the air. So when we're really talking about removing microplastics in our home, um, you know, I would just use an all-purpose cleaner, spray some on a rag, and you're going to wipe everything down. So you're really removing it from your home. You're not just spreading it around. But yeah, and there, it's also interesting when you think about the different ways microplastics get in our home, you know, and they're kind of just shower curtain liners, you know, furniture, rugs. They're in so many of our textiles now. One of the things that you could possibly do is air drying any um, clothing that's made with polyester when you throw your that fleece in the dryer yeah, it's just you know microplastics so there's a lot of things we can think about with removing them from our home but mopping and dusting are really important for that reason and as an all-purpose cleaner you mean what as a substance well um there's a i mean there's a bunch of different brands that make an all-purpose cleaner so you know i prefer mine <laughs> which is the multitasker you can find it at blooming foods rose hill farm stop um but it's really simple but you can make your own multi or all-purpose cleaner with just water a little bit of vinegar maybe a drop of dish soap shake it up that's super basic um if you want to you can add a couple drops of essential oil but i mean keeping it as basic as possible when it comes to an all-purpose cleaner because you're just you know there's a lot of I think misconceptions about actual um, antibacterial cleaners especially with like COVID and all of that but if you're going to really if you're really working to like remove bacteria a lot of these cleaners you're supposed to spray it on the surface and leave it there like 15 minutes so most of your cleaners are actually just all-purpose cleaners and they're just removing a layer of dust, dirt, and grime. It's not really an antibacterial. And so as far as different surfaces, you're talking in terms of uh, all-purpose, but I guess it was avoid alcohol on wood. Is there anything that, uh, you know, would require something a little different and or maybe the kind of degreasing? Sure. Yeah. When you're thinking about spring cleaning, I would really just think about top to bottom. So if you're really going to go for it, you know, you're going to stop, you're going to look at the very top, you're going to go for cobwebs and you're just going to go down. So you're going to remove dust on like door frames or like the um, ledge on trim, ceiling fans, you know, it might sound a little extreme, but washing your walls. With hot soapy water, you wouldn't believe how dirty our walls get. Um, 
windows, windowsills, you know, your um, baseboards, <laughs> baseboard, they get disgusting. But then also focusing on, you know, at least once or twice a year, our appliances. So that's where sometimes you need, you might need a, a heavier degreaser. So um, the grind buster actually works really well on appliances. Um, but like oven cleaners are one of the most toxic cleaners. I won't touch a conventional oven cleaner. It's, you know, luckily most of our ovens are self-cleaning, but you could also make um, a baking soda paste. So you're going to just have baking soda, add a small amount of water till you make a paste, smear that on the inside of your whole oven. Um, and then you can spray it down with like um, kind of a vinegar dishwater detergent mixture. And that's gonna release a lot of the grime and then use, I call them, there's probably a more official name, but I call it non-scratchy scratchy pads. So they're the blue scratchy pads, but they're not gonna scratch the surfaces of your appliances. Um, so those are good to get, you know, your the oven, vent, the oven hood vent once or twice a year. Soak that in hot soapy water with a little, basically everything, hot soapy water with a little vinegar. You're good to go. Keep it simple. And uh, how about the different uh, floors? I've always, um, for 15 years, cleaning floors, every single floor surface hot soapy water, a little splash of vinegar. We're not talking about cleaning vinegar. Okay, I'm talking about like a cooking vinegar, 5% acetic acid. A little splash of vinegar if you want some essential oils, but every single floor surface, that's all I use. A lot of times um, floor cleaners, even if they're somewhat natural, you know, like method or, um, a lot of times they can really create like a buildup on your floors. So hot soapy water, don't use those weird Swiffer pads. Those are loaded with a bunch of nasty stuff. Um, and then I use, there's several different kinds, but I use what's called a Bona mop. So it has a removable mop head that you can throw in the washing machine when you're done. So um, that's what I use on every single surface, tile, wood, laminate, all of it. Your company is Drift Botanicals, and uh, so you do things like candles and stuff, and that it's plant-based. Do you, uh, how do you source that? Do you grow any of that? I mean, we grow a lot of it. Um, we've been planting more. I'm looking at it right now. We've been planting more and more lavender, peppermint, and spearmint, and then we have a still that we steam distill our own essential oils. So really trying to keep things local, keep things in the in our loop of production. Um, I use organic vinegar in my cleaners. I try to really make it as clean as possible. Purified water, organic cornstarch. Um, and a lot of people ask why that matters in cleaning products. And it really matters because of just organic farming practices, you know? Conventional farming is like one of the worst things for our planet. So um, we really like to think think through our supply chain as much as possible and really choose 
the ecological choices. But yeah, we steam distill a lot of our essential oil. If I don't, we're at this point, we're at a pretty good production level with it. But um, I also have ordered um, organic dried lavender from Mountain Rose Herbs, I think it's called out in Oregon. But always, um, always going organic. with Kelly Conaway of Drift Botanicals, you can find our Eco Report Extra online after the broadcast at WFHB.org. And I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Frank Marshalek. Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now so for some upcoming events. Come to Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, March 18th, between 10 and 10.30 a.m. for Snake Talk. With the warmer weather, snakes will be coming out. Meet at the Lakeview Activity Center to learn about Indiana snakes while visiting with two of the park's resident snakes. The popular Cave River Valley Hike will take place at Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, March 18th from 1 to 3 p.m. You will be able to explore this beautiful primitive property managed by Spring Mill. This is a very rugged hike and you will need waterproof shoes and a hiking stick. You will meet at the Donaldson Cave parking lot, then travel by car to the site. Please sign up a day in advance to 812-849-3534 or go to sbelt at dnr.in.gov. Learn about backyard birds at McCormick's Creek State Park on Saturday, March 25th at 10 a.m. in the Nature Center. Watch the birds at the feeders as you learn about Indiana's birds and how to feed them and not the raccoons. Learn all about the woodpeckers of Indiana at Brown County State Park on Saturday, March 25th from 11 to 11.45 a.m. Join radio personality Don Glass, who is a park expert, bird enthusiast, and NPR's Moment of Science show host for a presentation and discussion about Indiana's seven species of native woodpeckers. Join a park naturalist at Brown County State Park on Saturday, March 25th from 2 to 3 p.m. to learn about creek critters. Borrow a net and a jar for creek exploration and find small, water-dwelling wildlife. Learn how these creatures affect the health of Indiana's waterways.
part by MPI Solar, a limited business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Juliana Daly. Our feature was prepared and presented by Zero Rose. Our script today was assembled by Juliana Daly and edited by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky Snyder. Juliana Daly compile, <clears throat> compiled our events calendar. Cade Young produced today's show and edited the audio. WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly, and we wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day. And I'm Frank Marshallek. And this is Eco Report. You've been listening to the Eco Report. A volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB. In Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source. For South Central Indiana. Bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.